You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, episode number 317. Richard Milhouse Nixon, part one. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Jason. Hey, how's it going? It is... Spectubulous. Ooh, that's a new word. It's a word that I've heard before, but I don't think it's in a dictionary anywhere. Anywhere. Um, so I don't know if that means it's a word or not. It's not. Okay. Not at all. Well, I'm using it anyway. <laughs> uh, we're here. We're here to talk about Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Richard Milhouse Nixon. I, I feel like I've, of the times I've said Richard Nixon's name, only a handful have been w- without saying Millhouse. I know. It's like it goes together. Just flows. That's right. His parents must have <laughs> been, you know, branding experts. That's right. Or somebody was. Maybe it wasn't his parents, but it was somebody along the line recognized Millhouse is a cool middle name. Or, or maybe not a cool, I don't know if it's cool or not. Either that or his mom was just like, hey, that's my maiden name. Yeah. Slap that's that. True bad boy in between Richard and Nixon and there you got it. I feel like that was a lot more popular to do in the past than it is now. Yeah. Why don't we do that? I don't know. Anyway, Richard Nixon. Uh he was born way back in January of 1913. And 1913 seems like like it doesn't seem like Nixon was alive all that long ago, but it's been like 25 years since he died. But it feels it still feels weird that he seems like such a recent president, even though he's not technically a recent president, but it seems like a recent president, and yet he was born so long ago. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, coming up on, you know, a hundred years for a lot of things that are have been recorded very well. Right. Right. If that makes sense. It does. I understood what you meant. I understood that reference. Yeah. Uh okay, so anyway, he was born in California the first president to be born in California. Uh, as far as I remember, is that right? Mm-hmm. Did I make that up? Okay. Just say it confidently. Nobody's going to Google and fact check it. Now, I think our audience our audience would fact check us on, on, st- on that. Thanks, everybody. It's a history audience. Yeah. We're all nerds. So, mm. yeah. Uh, so his parents, Hannah Milhouse Nixon and Francis Nixon, and his mother was actually a Quaker which I feel like, you know, the Quakers are were kind of waning a little bit uh, around that time. Mm-hmm. But his father actually ends up converting from um, being a Methodist uh, to being a Quaker. And I feel like that's not that far of a leap to make. Yeah. 
back in the early 1900s. But anyway, we had a few people in his ancestry line who were important people, one of which was Thomas Cornell, who founded, or who was uh, an ancestor of Ezra Cornell, who founded Cornell University. And that's Ivy League, Ben. I know. One of a few. One of the one of the very few. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I hope you got the comes... reference. Yes, okay. I did. I did. Thank you, Andy. Uh, <laughs> so definitely, um, th- there's some other. You should go look up Ezra Cornell at some point. Uh, he's got some interesting people in his lineage, but that's for a different podcast to talk about them more. Yeah. Uh, the family very Quakery. <laughs> and that really means that they're not gonna drink alcohol they're not gonna dance they're not gonna cuss well not in front of mom at least no uh the nixons have four boys harold donald arthur and edward and this is something i didn't know but for the five nixon fellas they were named after kings and richard was named after richard the lionhearted or Richard the Lionheart. I always thought it was Lionhearted, but I guess it was just Lionheart. You don't need to worry about if his heart is Lionhearted. He's just a Lionheart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Nixons, they have this ranch. And in 1922, the ranch fails. And they move to Whittier, California, where a bunch of Quakers live. And his dad opens a grocery store and a gas station. His younger brother, Arthur, dies in 1925. He's only seven years old. And Richard is 12 years old at the time. They find a spot on his lung. In the family history, they have tuberculosis. And from this point forward, he was forbidden to play sports. Jason, how do they find the spot on your lung in the 19, I guess, the 20s at this point? Man, they probably zap you with one of those big old x-ray machines. Probably. The lights probably dimmed in the town when... That sounds like a country song. The lights in the town (laughs) dimmed down when they took an x-ray. You know, I feel like x-ray machines are are relatively safe, obviously. You know, nothing that shoots, uh, uh, you know, any kind of rays into you is is 100% safe. Uh, But... X-rays are pretty safe now, but I feel like X-rays in the 1920s are not something I'd want to mess around with. Dude, have you heard about that? Now, I didn't. This didn't happen to me. I'm not that old. But when you'd go to a shoe store, you'd put your shoes, <laughs> you'd put your feet under an X-ray. Did you know that? No. Yeah. They used to have X-ray machines in shoe stores, and they would take X-rays of your feet. I'm not making wow. that up. I believe you. <laughs> Well, anyway, they figure out he's fine. Yeah, because it's just a scar tissue on his lung. Just scar tissue on your lungs. No worries at all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So he starts off as a leader. Well, it's not really starts off, but in eighth grade, he's at school and he becomes the president of his class. And his parents are proud of him. Uh, His parents are kind of dismayed at the school because his older brother had not really had a great life before he died. And so they ended up switching Richard from where he went to school to another school. And when they did that, he ended up having to ride a bus for 
over an hour each way, which, by the way, I did, too, when I was in high school. But that's a different story for a different you time. You are a lot like Nixon. I hope not. Not not in a lot of ways, at least. <laughs> uh, so he, he ends up riding the bus for uh, for a long time uh, and then ends up going to live with his aunt so he could be closer to school. And during that time, now whether this is because mom and dad didn't know or because they had cleared him completely because uh, they weren't worried about tuberculosis as much anymore, uh, he ends up being able to play football and is a really you know, is really excels at playing football and, and also at school getting good grades and everything. So get this, at the start of his junior year in 1928, his parents are like, you know, you can go to Whittier High School and he runs for office for the first time. He loses. Um, <laughs> office for student body president. And... uh you know, it was during this time that he wakes up at 4 a.m., drives the family truck to Los Angeles, buys some veggies at the market, which I'm sure you can do these days. I'm sure traffic is not an issue. No, not at all. Not today, maybe. Uh, then he drives to the store, washes them, and displays them before going off to school. And when their mother uh, takes his brother Harold to Arizona because he had been diagnosed with TB. Um, Richard has to give up football. He graduates from Whittier high school, third in his class or 207 people in his class. So that's, that's no joke. He gets a grant to attend Harvard, but Harold is still sick and Richard needs to watch the store. So he remains in his hometown and attends Whittier College. And uh, his mom's dad, so his grandfather, uh, says, hey, I'm going to cover those expenses. He plays basketball. He tries out for football, but he's not big enough to play. And he doesn't get to join the literary society there's only one literary society there at Whittier called the Franklins and they were like nah <laughs> we're a bunch of prominent family uh people and you know your family's not very well known you're a bunch of Quakers we don't want you so he says oh yeah I'm gonna stick it to you start my own society called the Orthogonian Society and there you have it he's a leader and he probably reads a lot. That's what you say about leaders, right? They read a lot. Oh, I would assume. Because they didn't have podcasts back then. Uh, no, no. If they did, though, he would have listened to Election College. So that's all there is to that. Uh, the The interesting thing, though, is that, um, you know, it was because he wasn't from a prominent family that they wouldn't let him into that society. It was kind of a, you know, a snobbish thing. Uh, but little did they know about the the Cornell connection. Oh, I know. They I know. If they had only known, he would. Have, maybe they did. Who, who he would have joined the Franklins. He would have never become president. I mean, that's yeah, that's entirely possible. So he ends up getting his Bachelor of Arts in History from Whittier, and then he gets a full scholarship to Duke, uh, to the School of Law there. And uh, this is a point where the, the law school was pretty new, 
and they were able to offer a lot of different students scholarships if they wanted to attract them because they were, you know, really somebody who looked like they were going to do good things. And the only reason after his first year that Nixon got to keep uh, his scholarship was because he got elected to the Duke Bar Association. Uh, so that kind of starts his foray into law. Obviously, uh, doesn't mean he's a lawyer yet, but you, you know, I mean, we've talked about this, right? Presidents, they start out as lawyers a lot of times. Yeah, but the thing is, is they start out as lawyers, but they do nothing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And that's where Nixon prides himself because he goes back to California. He's admitted to the bar there in 37. And he's working on commercial litigation uh, for local petroleum companies and other big businesses. And he opens up his own branch of the firm uh, where he works in La Habra. Is that how you say it? H-A-B-R-A. So. I'm sure I butchered that. Sorry. Somebody will tell us. Sorry, Don't worry. California. Yeah. Uh, he opens that up, becomes a full partner, and he's like... You know, lawyering, this is great, but I need to do something in my spare time. So I'm going to join the Whittier Community Players. And they are putting on a production of The Dark Tower. He plays opposite a high school teacher named Thelma Pat Ryan. And, you know, we know Pat. He says, it's love at first sight. Pat's like, no, dude, stay away from me, please. <laughs> they begin dating. They're dating for two years. He pops the question. She's like, Ugh, okay, finally. Uh, yeah, I'll acquiesce. I'll marry you. They get married in June of 1940. They honeymoon in Mexico. And their marriage produces two daughters, uh, Trisha and Julie. So in 1942, the couple and their kids moved down to Washington, D.C. Actually, the kids hadn't come yet. The couple moves down to Washington, D.C., and Nixon ends up getting a job in the Office of Price Administration. And this is a government entity that was basically to control rents and uh, things like that during a, a hard financial time for the country. And Nixon basically uses this position in the future to help him in his different uh, elections and everything. They get to a point where Nixon says, you know what, I am really limiting myself by staying where I am, by, by being in Whittier. And they end up saying, we, we need to move on to a bigger and better thing, need to move up through the ranks to start getting into position where maybe I can, I can become something more than this. So what's he do? He gets assigned to the tire rationing division. I feel like the tire <laughs> rationing position it, division is not nearly as uh, important as it or is, is more important than it sounds at the time, yeah. but not nearly as important now as it might have been at one point. But anyway, he he likes what he's doing, but he ends up deciding to join the Navy and signs up for the draft and everything. Uh, he he could have gotten out of it because he was a Quaker. He was also already working in the military. But he ends up saying, no, I'm going to go to the Navy. I'm going to seek commission uh, in the Navy. And he ends up becoming a lieutenant junior grade in the Navy Reserves. So he gets assigned as an aide to the commander of a station in Iowa. 
for, oh, not even a year. And he's like, you know what? I'm just not enjoying this. I, I want to go off to sea. Iowa's not for the Navy man. And he gets assigned to a Marine aircraft group and the South Pacific Combat Air Transport Command. He's there in the South Pacific, and he gets a promotion to lieutenant. He's uh, commanding these SCAT detachments, and he arrives at Green Island, where his unit prepares manifests and flight plans. So he's doing the deal there in the South Pacific. He gets a Navy letter of condemnation. Not condemnation, but commendation. <laughs> commendation. It's, it's funny how those words Man. are so similar, and yet they mean opposite things. Yeah, it's like very close. So yeah. anyway, and uh, they say that he, quote, has meritorious and efficient performance of duty as an officer in charge of the South Pacific Combat Air Transport Command. Comes back to the U.S. He's appointed as the administrative officer of the Alameda Naval Air Station in California. He gets transferred in 1945 to the Bureau of Aeronautics in Philadelphia. He's just all over the place, isn't he? He, he is. finally um, moves to Baltimore. He gets promoted to Lieutenant Commander. And then on March 10th, 1946, he's like, okay, I'm being relieved of duty because, let's face it, I'm just ready to get out of here he resigns his commission he gets promoted to commander in 1953 and he finally retires in 1966 so it's like he's not really the quintessential navy man but he keeps on working his way up and getting all these com commendations commendations that's right and there you have it so not long after that he realizes that the Republicans in the 12th District of California, the 12th Congressional District, are really irritated because they can't win an election. Uh, there's this guy named uh, Jerry Voice, who is the Democratic representative in that area, and they're really looking for a candidate who could run kind of a strong campaign against them. And so they, they form this committee of 100, hoping to you know, find someone that they can all agree on. Because previously, one of the reasons they haven't been able to, to beat this guy is because of all the distractions from everybody in, you know, local politics there, or I guess state politics at that point, maybe even national, I guess. So they form this, uh, this committee, and one of the guys says, I'm going to send a letter over to my buddy Richard Nixon, uh, and see what he thinks. And Nixon responds and says, yeah, I, I think I would like to do it. I'll come out there, meet the committee. Hopefully they will uh, they'll pick me. <laughs> and so he gets picked. In 1946, he and his wife move back to Whittier, where they had been before, and he starts campaigning like crazy. Uh, you know, he's, he's really pushing not only about his own merits, you know, look, I'm, I'm a Navy man now, uh, but also he, he's pushes hard against Voorhees, who had been largely considered, at least by the Republican side, uh, had been kind of ineffective and, you know, 
Hey guys, did you did you ever think that maybe he's linked to some communist? Mm. So he must be a radical. And that works. He ends up winning um, pretty handily as well. In uh, just before the election, or right in the election during 1946. Yeah. So Nixon has gone from being a baby to a politician <laughs> in the same town. <laughs> And this is probably a really good place to hit the stop button. But don't you hit the stop button. We have more things to talk about. Yeah. Hey, Ben. Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, just like everything in the in the world, possibly. Uh, what have you been up to? I have been researching for a new podcast. Oh, nice. Tell me about it. Well, it's called Before They Were States, and... I needed some sort of creative outlet. You know, I'm traveling in an RV. I'm bouncing mm-hmm. around the East Coast. And I'm coming across all these old things. Well, I needed to talk about them because, let's face it, my wife does not like to hear <laughs> about uh, me touching old buildings and having a moment, pausing and reflecting. So I needed a creative outlet. So I'm launching this podcast later this week, actually. Uh, if you, oh, nice. you want to sign up, join join me on the ride, you can go to beforetheywerestates.com. I'm on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The handle is Before States. I'd love to have you join me on the journey. Absolutely. And if you're not already following Jason on those places, you should be. Actually, you probably aren't because you probably haven't heard about it. But you should probably be following them there as well as following uh, Election College. We, For those of you who are all caught up, we've got a lot of episodes. So we commonly have people telling us like, oh, I'm still back on episode you know, 150. And I'm like, oh, well, good. You don't even notice that we are that we took some time off. But we've taken some time off uh, recently. Um, we're going to be kicking back up, coming back to our... Uh, semi-regular schedule at least, at least one episode a week. And so you should be following us too on our different social media platforms. Just look up Election College. Uh, just don't Google it because you'll just find Electoral College. It was, it was a fun name, but it was an oversight on the SEO impact of, a, of the Electoral College. Anyway, look us up on those different social medias. You'll find us. Um, make sure to hop into our Facebook group as well. I think it's electioncollege.com slash group. Yep. And you should be able to find us there. So follow along. uh, Check out Jason's new podcast as he's launching it uh, before they were states, as well as uh, making sure to interact with us as much as possible on social media. Yeah. And for crying out loud, if you see anybody uh, tagging us, yelling at us because the electoral college exists, just go ahead. Be that guy who... Or that gal who uh, corrects the person and says, it's electoral college, not election college. That happens not like every day or anything, but way more frequently than you would think. Yeah. I guess all publicity is good. That's right. Next time we'll come back and we'll start off with talking about Nixon and the House Un-American Activities Committee. But until then, enjoy your week. <laughs>